0: Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message.
1: You see, my brothers and sisters, there are many of us who have this idea that once God says something, it's going to happen the next day. And throughout this particular teaching series, we have been talking about the fact that when God gives you a promise, that it is not going to happen instantaneously. Sometimes it will take a year. Sometimes it will take even longer. But many of us have this mistaken assumption that when God says something today, it's going to happen tomorrow. But many of us do not realize that before we experience the fulfillment of the promise of God in our life, there is a period of preparation. There is a period of preparation that Lord God Almighty puts in place. A period where God puts in place the things that are needed for the fulfillment of that particular promise. In other words, when God is about to do something in your life, when He promises you He's going to do something, or opens your eyes to see where He's taking you, there is always a period of preparation. A process of seeing the fulfillment of God's promises requires a process of preparation. A time that God puts things in order. When God puts things in place. That is needed for the fulfillment of that particular promise. You need to realize that. So when you sleep and you get the revelation. Or the Lord speaks through a a prophetic word into your life. Or there's a word of wisdom that comes and says this is what is going to happen to you. You need to understand that there is a period of preparation that is required. Number two, you must understand that there's also a period of purification. A time when the Lord God Almighty purges the recipient of His promise, uh, when He takes away the dross from their lives uh, that will not allow them to enjoy the promises that He has made in their lives. There are certain things that if you carry them into the promise of God for your life, you will endanger the fulfillment of those promises. And the Lord God Almighty, while He's preparing you, is also purifying you. When you are going and you are waiting for that particular fulfillment of the promise of God, God is saying, there are certain things that need to go. There are certain things that I don't need in your promised land. There are certain things I don't need in your temple. And those things have to be purified before you can see the fulfillment of the promise of God. Number three, there is a period of maturation. When God strengthens the core of the individual who has received that promise. But there's a maturation period that takes place, a strengthening period, a growing period, a period where you begin to mature so that you are qualified to be able to handle what the Lord is about to deposit in your hands. There are revelations that he gives to you that those revelations, unless you get to a particular level in your life, you may not be able to access them. When Joseph received the revelation of being the leader of his own family, as a 17-year-old boy, he had a diarrhea of the mouth. He kept on talking now. But one thing the Lord Almighty had to teach him was that he has to mature at one point in time. So he had to go through not just a period of preparation, not just a period of purification, but a period of maturation. He had to grow. He had to mature. The Lord Almighty had to strengthen his core in order for him to be able to step into the promise of God for his life. And then there's also number four, a period of waiting. This is when God perfects all that concerns his promises in your life. When the heavens appear silent, uh, When nothing seems to be happening. This is where you enter into the period. When the Lord God Almighty just steps back. And allow the things that he has planted in your life to germinate. And the interesting thing is that the waiting period comes in two stages. There is the initial waiting period when everything appears silent. And the second stage of the waiting period is the period of engagements. When the Lord steps back and watches you. And the Lord says, let me see what this boy is going to do. Let me see what this girl is going to do. Let me see how this individual is going to engage the promise so that he can see the fulfillment of that promise. In other words, God is looking and asking, what will you do now that nothing seems to be happening? What will you do now when it appears that the child is not coming? What will you do now when it appears that the business is not growing? What will you do now when it appears the ministry is stagnant? What will you do to be able to engage the promise of God to see the fulfillment of that promise? You see, my brothers and sisters, there are so many of us who wait. Many people wait, but very few people actually engage the promise of God. Very few people engage the promise of God. The period of engagement is when many people miss the mark. This is the period when people do not understand that the, every promise of God requires your participation. Let me give you an example. Daddy comes into the house and says, Junior, I want you to go and clean your room. And when you clean your room, I'll give you 10 bucks. Junior is excited about the 10 bucks and the potential of what 10 bucks can accomplish in his life. So Junior does what? Junior starts going about cleaning up his room, putting everything where they're supposed to be. Now, as soon as Junior does that, what Junior has done is that Junior has committed the integrity of Daddy to fulfilling that promise. Because Daddy say, if you do this, I will do this. The Lord Almighty said, if you do A, B, C, I will do X, Y, D. As soon as you engage that particular promise and you begin to do A, B, C, what you have done is that you have engaged the integrity of the Almighty God. You have committed the integrity of the Almighty God to fulfill his own part of the bargain. It's like a contract. You will do this and I will do this. Once you do your part, God will do, begin to do his own part. But the thing is that many of us are waiting for God to do his own part before we do anything and God says, no, it doesn't work like that. How the recipient of God's promise conduct themselves during that waiting and engagement period determine whether they will see the promise of God or whether they will continue to wait and wait and wait. What you do during the season of your waiting. What you do during the time of your engagement, determine if the promise will materialize or it will continue to remain a promise in your life. And so for Elisha, when he received that particular calling, when the mantle fell upon him, he was a a successful businessman. Elisha, who was responsible for many other lives who were working on his farm, a man who left a thriving business for the hope of becoming a prophet. That said Elisha was faced with the reality of serving as a servant of a prophet that was homeless. Elisha who was a successful man. I'm sure when you get to the estate of Elisha, the guy will probably be saving pina colada in the morning. Looking good and may you're doing well. All his employees will come and say, oh, God, sir, what do you want us to do today? The man will say, okay, you drive 11 tractors. I feel like exercising myself today. I want to drive the 12 one. Here was a guy who was busy, rich and successful. And all of a sudden, he left all those things and I started becoming the servant of a homeless prophet. Every day that Elisha probably served Elijah, he must have been thinking, what is going on here? This is not what you told me when you dropped the mantle upon me. This is not what you told me. Is this what I left my business for? Is this what I left my family for? Is this what I sold my business for? Is this what I abandoned everything for? What happened to to the call of being a prophet? Elisha probably must have been thinking that. But the question this morning is that when Elisha was thinking about all those things, ordinarily it would drive other people to depression. It would drive other people to going back. It would drive other people to say, "I can't do this anymore." That's what happened to and and an offer. When everything was going on, they were all falling. But at one point in time, when there seemed to be no hope, offer decided to go back and Ruth said, "No, I will continue to follow." When that particular waiting period, the period between the receiving of the promise and the fulfillment of the promise, when Elisha was being was now acting as a servant of a homeless prophet. How did Elisha deal with the reality of being a servant of Elijah? Instead of a powerful prophet that he was supposed to be, how did he deal with the reality that he had to begin to follow, be the errand boy of a homeless prophet? How did Elisha manage what seemed to be a waste of his time and his talent by Elijah? How did he survive the season of his waiting? That is the question that I want to deal with today. my brothers and sisters, let me suggest to you, Elisha survived The waiting season by going through five destiny-defining experience. Elisha survived the waiting season of his life. Survived the period between the promise and the fulfillment of being a prophet by going through five destiny-defining experiences and I'm talking about experiences that shape his life as ministry I'm talking about the experiences that serve as a turning point in his life I'm talking about experiences that he looked back upon and he realized that these things were the things that turned my life around and my brothers and sisters if you are going to survive the waiting season for the promise of God that God has given unto you you need to have some life defining experiences you must be able to point to the time f- when certain things happen in your life that solidify your faith in the Almighty God. And the first experience that Elisha went through is what I call the Abel Mehola experience. The Abel Mehola experience, what is it? In first chapter nineteen, in verse number nineteen, the Bible says, So he departed thence and found Elijah, the son of Shaphat who was ploughing with twelve yokes of oxen before him, and he with the twelve, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Lord, and said, Let me I pray thee, kiss my father, my mother, and then I will follow you. And they said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done today? And they returned back from him, and took a yoke of oxen, and slew them, and boiled their flesh with the instrument of the oxen, and gave unto the people, and they did it. Then they arose, and went after Elijah, and ministered unto him. What is this Abel Mehola experience? The Abel Mehola experience is the experience of surrender. It is the experience of breaking from the past. Elijah had to go through the experience of surrender to the almighty God, to the call of God upon his life, to the voice of God that is calling him to the office of a prophet. Elijah had to burn the bridge that was tied to his pastor before he could follow and experience the promise of being a prophet. The double portion of Elijah's of Elijah's anointing upon the life of Elisha will not come if continue to hold on to those things, refuse to surrender to the Almighty God and continue to live in the past. It will never happen. Elisha had to surrender, had to go through the experience of surrender. He had to surrender to the call of God upon his life. He had to burn the bridge that was tying him to his past before he can begin to see the fulfillment of the promise of the Almighty God and some of you listening to me right now, the only thing standing between you and the fulfillment of the promise of God for your life is your stubborn hold on the past. The only reason why you have not seen the manifestation of the glory of God in your life is because you refuse to surrender to the Almighty God. You are continually wrestling with the Almighty God, fighting with the Almighty God, challenging the Almighty God, making God to be able to justify His action before you obey. And as long as you do that, the Bible says, "My spirit will no longer strive with man continually." You know that. What at one point in time the Lord say, "Okay, that's what you want to do. Have your way." The reason why we are seeing the elusiveness of God's promises is because we refuse to let go of the past. Uh, Elisha had to go through the the experience of surrender for him to see the manifestation of the glory of God in his life. Number two, Elisha survived the waiting season by going through what I call the Gilgal experience. The Gilgal experience. What is the Gilgal experience? If you look at Second Kings chapter 2, reading from verse number 1, the Bible says, and it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a wild way, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And what is Gilgal? Gilgal is the very first place that the children of Israel encountered hindrance on their way to the promised land. When they were coming out of Egypt and they were going to the place of promise, it was the very first place where they encountered a major challenge, a major hindrance on their travel to the promised land. Gilgal is the experience of a spiritual challenge. It's the challenge of your spirituality. Gilgal is the experience that tests your desire to follow the Almighty God, that tests your calling, that tests your belief in the promise of the Almighty God. Because the Lord will give you a promise and the devil will say, okay, no problem. Let's see how, whether you believe the Almighty God. Gilgal experience is that experience that challenges your faith in the Almighty God. It is the experience that tests your resolve to continue on the road to the double portion. There are many people who today, they have settled in their Gilgal. Elijah had the option of staying at Gilgal. He had the option of staying at the place. After all, he has moved. He has associated with the prophet. Now he has a semblance of prophet. prophet. He has a semblance of spirituality. But the power was not there. And Elijah was saying, you can stay here. But Elijah said, no, 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 no. This is not why I left my family. This is not why I left my business. This is not the place of my settling down. Gilgal. God takes you through Gilgal to see if you have the resolve. If you have the determination to go the extra mile. And unless you have that experience when you get to the point where you felt very tired and you said, I don't want to go out anymore, but you picked yourself up and you kept on going, unless you have had that Gilgal experience, the manifestation of the glory of God might become elusive in your life. God will take you through Gilgal to see if you will stay and settle for that which is not the best. There are thousands in the church today who have settled at Gilgal. They they are settled in a place that look good, but the power of God is not there. They are settled for a life that is not the utmost that the Lord has in store for them. They are settled for something that is not the best that God has promised them. Gilgal is a place that the Lord Almighty passes you through. So to see if you are going to settle for the second best. Gilgal is not a resting place. Elijah had to go through Gilgal experience. His resolve was tested by Elijah to see if he would settle for a life without power. A prophet that can talk about prophecy but doesn't have that prophetic gifting. That doesn't see anything. That was what Gilgal represents. A life less than what God has promised. Elijah had to go through Gilgal. He had to demonstrate that he had the resolve to go before the Lord God Almighty released his promises into his life. Number three, Elisha survived the waiting season by going through the battle experience. And what is the battle experience? The battle experience, battle is the house of God in the days of Jacob. In the days of Isaac, in the days of Abraham, it was the place where the patriarchs had encounter with the Almighty God. But by the time you got to the time of Jeroboam, Bethel became the house of idolatry. Bethel, therefore, is a place of a major decision. It's a place of divine encounter with the Almighty God. A place of wrestling with the Almighty God. A place of yielding to the Almighty God. A place of dying to self. A place of total consecration. Bethel experience is therefore the experience of dying to yourself, the experience of a, of total consecration. Because if you are going to see the manifestation of the glory of the mighty God upon your life you must come to the point where you say Lord I surrender all I'm totally committed to this thing I have no plan B I'm not going to run one step forward and three step backward battle is the experience that the Lord Almighty gives you Is the experience of total consecration total dedication it's a time when you release yourself and you are committed the course that you are on. Elisha had to go through the better experience. He had to demonstrate that, that he was totally committed to the Lord before the Lord Almighty would release him into the office of the prophets. Number four, Elijah survived the waiting season by going through what I call the Jericho experience. Second Kings, Chapter 2, verse number 4. The Bible said that Elisha said unto him, Elisha, stay here, please. For the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord leaves, and as your soul leaves, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Jericho is a place of opposition. Jericho is a place of conflict. Jericho is a place of warfare. Jericho is a place where you have to fight to be able to possess your possession. The Jericho experience is experience of spiritual warfare. If you think you are going to possess your possession, Without fighting, you are sadly mistaken. If you think that the enemy will not oppose the promise of God for your life, you are sadly mistaken. It's either you don't know the scripture or you have been deceived. The promise of God in your life will not manifest. The double portion of the anointing of the Almighty God will not be released without the fights. The blessings of heaven can never be opened without the fights. And that's why the Bible says as of the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God suffered violence and the violent take it by force. You must go through the experience of Jericho. You must go through the experience of conflict, the experience of fight for you to be able to possess your possession. And you must know, not just go through that experience. It is one thing for you to fight. It's another thing for you to win. It is not just going through the experience of Jericho and the experience of conflict, the experience of spiritual warfare. But you must know how to fight and how to win. You must know how to win the battle over your life, over yourself. You must know how to win the battle over sin. You must know how to win the battle over Satan. You must know how to defeat all the onslaught of hell at Jericho. Because if you don't know how to win the battle over your own self, over your own appetites, those are the things that will bring you down. If you don't know how to fight and win the battle over sin, sin will have dominion over you. If you don't know how to fight and win the battle over Satan, Satan will conquer you. But that is not the portion of the people of God because the Bible says that has given us victory. It is he that is in us. is greater than he that is in the world. You must know how to fight and how to win the battle over yourself, the battle over sin, the battle over Satan. If you are going to possess the promise of the Almighty God, Elijah had to go through the Jericho experience. He had to demonstrate that he was not only willing to fight, but he knows how to fight and that he knows how to win before the anointing and the power was released into his life. And finally, Elijah had to go through what I call the Jordan experience. What is the Jordan experience? Look at verse number 7 of 2 Kings chapter 2. Elijah, then Elijah said unto him, Stay here please, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. But they said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Jordan is this place of spiritual renewal. Jordan is a place where the Lord God Almighty encountered Abraham and asked him to lift up his eyes and behold the land that was before him. It was a place where he gave him a choice and it was the same place where Abraham gave Lot a choice. He said, look and pick. If you go to the right, I will go to the left. If you go to the north, I will go to the south. But because Lot was not spiritually sensitive, because the eyes of Lot was not open, the Bible said that Lot picked the place of Sodom and ended up destroying himself. So Jordan is a place where the Lord gives you a clear spiritual vision. This is a place where Abraham received the vision, even for his own future. Jordan is a place of spiritual vision. Jordan is a place of spiritual Renewer it's a place where you see what is possible that is what Jordan is and the road to the double portion of your anointing the road to the answer to your prayer the road to the fulfillment of your promise must go through that particular spiritual renewal because you must be able to see what God has in store for you your spiritual vision must be tested your spiritual vision must be corrected the Lord Almighty must vision so that you can see what the Lord has in store for you. Jordan is the place where God makes sure that you are able to see what he has in store for you. It is a place where he tears up the covering and put up his own covering upon you. And please understand that God makes you to go through Jordan to make sure that you can see what he's actually about to give to you. Because if you cannot see what God has in store for you, you will not be able to pursue it. If you cannot pursue what God has in store for you, you will not be able to possess it. Elijah had to go through the Jordan experience to be able to see what God had in store for him. To be able to see the possible future. To be able to see the things that God has made available for those who occupy the office of that particular prophet that he was about to get into. He had to demonstrate. Elijah had to go through Jordan to demonstrate that his spiritual eyes can see. And that is why Elijah could see anything. When the king of Syria was planning anything, Elisha would already see it. even up to the point that the king of Syria was beginning to fight with dumb people, saying there was a mole in his cabinet, because Elisha had gone through the Jordan experience. He was able to see the invisible. Elijah had the experience to see those things, and it defined his ministry forever. Elijah had to experience each of these defining, destiny-changing experiences for the double portion, to become effective in his life. And if you are trusting God for the fulfillment of any promise in your life that he has made, we too must be ready to go through these experiences. The question this morning is, how do you successfully go through these experiences in your waiting season? How do you do it? How do you experience Jordan? How do you experience Jericho? How do you experience Bethel? How do you experience Gilgal when you are going through your waiting season? Number one, to successfully go through these experiences and benefit from it. In your waiting season, you must number one, be really hungry for the promise of God. Because why would you wait for something? Why would you go through a fight? Why would you go through a renewal when you are not hungry for something? There has to be a deep hunger for the things of God. The Bible says, as of the day of John the Baptist now, up till now, the kingdom of God suffered violent, and the violence taken by. For there has to be that hunger. That desire to see the promise of God fulfilled in your life. Number two, there has to be a clear vision of a possible future. In other words, you have to be able to see what God has in store for you. You have to be able to see so clearly that that is when you are able to pursue it. The Bible says when there is no vision, the people of God perish. In other words, when you cannot see what God has in store for you, when you cannot see what is in front of you, when you cannot see the things, the word of God come alive for you, there is no point. You will not be able to possess it. I will tell you in the book of Genesis chapter 12. The Lord came and spoke to Abraham. He said, lift up your eyes. As far as your eyes can see. He said, that I have given unto you. What you cannot see, you cannot possess. And the word of God that has not come alive for you. The word of God that has not been opened unto you through revelation. You cannot take possession of it. So for you to survive during the waiting season. You need a clear vision of a possible future. Not only that. You have to have a dedicated resolve and say, regardless of what happened just like Job He said I have made a covenant with my eyes that I shall not behold upon a maiden In other words, I have made up my mind that this is the course that I will follow. Whether rain or shine, regardless of the condition and the situation that is around me, I will continue to follow the Lord. Even if it's discouraging, I will follow. Even if I do not see the result, I will follow. That's what the three Hebrew children said. They said, oh, you king Nebuchadnezzar, we are not going to bow down to this, your crazy idol, because our God will deliver And even if our God refuses to deliver we will still not bow down. That is a dedicated result. That is the determination that says this is the course of action I will follow I will not look back. And until you get to that stage where you say Lord I hold on to you whether you answer my prayer or not I am going to continue to serve you. That is how you survive your waiting season. How do you survive your waiting season? You survive your waiting season through prayer. The Bible says the effectual father prayer of a righteous man avails more. You cannot survive your waiting season without prayer because it is prayer that connects you with heaven and gives you the revelation that you need to be able to continue. You have you survive number five. You survive by not having plan B. Anytime I conduct wedding for, for, for individuals, I tell them the only way your wedding is going to survive is when you leave the Genesis alone and you don't have a plan B. If at the very beginning, you believe these stupid statistics that is in our our culture right now, where they say 50% of those who marry will divorce in the first year. If you believe that crap, you are going to begin to order your marriage in that particular area. But when you have no plan B, when you say, I am in this marriage for it to work, you will find that you begin to see solutions show up in your way. The only way you can survive your waiting season In the midst of difficulty is when you say, Lord, there is no other option. I have made a determination to follow you. There is no going back. I put all my egg in this basket and I'm holding you and I'm saying, Lord, you will do it or else I will perish with you. Unless you go in there, all in, if you have a way out, you will not be able to survive. When there is a plan B, then surviving the waiting season becomes very difficult. But when there is no plan B, you have no option you have no option than to believe the Almighty God for solution. The beauty of all this is that if you are able to survive the waiting season like Elisha did, you will begin to enjoy the fulfilled promises that God has given unto you. That is what you begin to see. Look at all through the scripture. All those who have survived their seasons of waiting. Their waiting season. People like Abraham. People like Isaac. People like Jacob. People like Noah. All those people who waited. Anna. All the people who waited in scripture. They were able to enjoy the blessings of fulfilled promises. Because God is not a man that he should lie, Or the son of man that he should repent. Whatever he has promised you. No matter how long it takes he will fulfill it. So when you are able to survive your waiting season, then you will enjoy the blessings of a fulfilled prophet. Not only that, you begin to enjoy uncommon access that a lot of people never even know how possible. You will begin to see doors open favor of the Almighty God begins to follow you. You begin to see that God begins to pay attention to you because you have paid attention to the Almighty God. And then you begin to operate in the supernatural. That is when you pray and heavens are open. When you speak, there are answers. The Lord Almighty will send His angels to be able to walk with you. This is what happened when you are able to survive your waiting season. In closing, I just want you to understand, my brothers and sisters, that surviving your waiting season is not the exclusive preserve of some super Christians. It is not just for people who are who are the super believers, people who have the special characteristics, you know. They are the people that walk on water. Surviving your, your waiting season is not an exclusive right of some super Christian. It is the privilege of all children of God. The question is, are you that kind of a man? Are you that kind of a woman? Are you that kind of a child of God who is determined to say, the seasons of waiting will not be wasted? My seasons of waiting will not be wasted. Are you that kind of person?
0: Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee.